Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Wrapping up the week with us is the Weekly Standard's Bill Crystal. And Bill, I hate to put you on the spot because so little happened in Washington this week. I, I don't know. Do we have anything to talk about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, word, the sky is falling. The government has <laughs> shut down. Um, the, the, the markets are collapsing and, and the world is ending because those horrible House Republicans thought maybe we should delay the individual mandate for a year as the employer mandate was delayed and uh, not give Congress and political appointees special privileges in the Obamacare exchanges. But that was so unreasonable and so dastardly that everyone has to, uh, had to predict that they were, going, uh, on the ro- they were well on the road to political extinction. Somehow it doesn't quite feel that way at the end of this week, though. Uh, you don't think so? The White House feels very, very good. The Wall Street Journal quoted a senior uh, official saying, we don't care how long the shutdown lasts, we're winning. Well, I guess they, you know, they may have some polling that suggests that. I've seen polling that suggests mildly that the White House has the upper hand, though I would say less of an upper hand than you would have thought a week ago with all the predictions that this was going to be the end of the Republican Party. In fact, I think the Republicans have played a fairly weak hand uh, quite well. And they're helped a lot by the fact that, A, the government shutdown isn't such a disaster for a few days or even a week or two. And, B, they have passed these small bills, funding bills in the House, which the Senate is now in the kind of ridiculous position of saying, on the one hand, it's incredibly urgent to fund these programs. And on the other hand, we're not, fun- we're not going to fund some of them if we can't fund all of them. What kind of principle is that? You know, the uh, people at NIH or the veterans uh, um, don't get funded just because the Democrats would like everything to be funded right away. They're... You know, it's it's really a strange position for them to defend. The thing I think the media... So, of course, in D.C., you know, you do see the government shut down because it's D.C. So you, you have neighbors who are furloughed, and they're going to end up getting paid. But it's still inconvenient, obviously, and little conferences are being canceled, and the museums are, are closed. But I don't... My sense is the rest of the country is much less affected. Um, and I also think the politics of this have changed. I mean, the people in the media bubble here in D.C. don't see it, but... Around the country, it's the Democrats who, Democratic congressmen and senators have now voted, had to vote, uh, thanks to the Republicans, have had to vote to defend the congressional exemption on Obamacare. That strikes me as just a horrible vote for a Democratic senator up for re-election or, or a Democratic House member who's not in a totally safe district. And I, I think everyone here has lost sight of that. So that's the actual thing that's happened in terms of politics in the last week. All the rest of it's noise and fury. Republicans look a little obstinate. Democrats look a little obstinate. That all gets forgotten a year from now. I think the actual votes that have been cast have been good votes for the Republicans. Yeah, the ads that will be running in October of 2014, I think, are already set. You know, that's a that's a real opportunity. But back to today, you think about the opportunity that President Obama has right now. All he would have to do is to say to the Senate, pass the medical device repeal and send it to yeah. the House as a standalone, just as a as a law a medical device yeah. repeal. There it is. And then the House passes that the House passes the C.R., and every, you know, the president can be the guy who made the deal. And the question that people are raising, and Fred Barnes wrote about in the Weekly Standard this week, is, uh, is it the case that the White House believes, as the, that official said, we're winning? In other words, they, they see some long-term game here where they're going to crush the Republican Party, make them too radioactive for 2014? Or is it the case that the president's temperament, he, that he really, really means it when he says, I shouldn't have to negotiate? I think both. I mean, look, I do think Democrats, uh, everyone gets in his own bubble a little bit. I'm sure we conservatives do, too. And they really just believe their own rhetoric. They believe 95, 96 was a massive victory for 
Clinton over Gingrich. It did help Clinton a little bit, but at the end of the day, Republicans lost, I think, no Senate seats and three House seats after huge pickups in 94. So it wasn't like 96 was such a horrible election for Republicans. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the history, the narrative now is that that was a huge victory for the Democrats. So they sort of believe that that's happening again. They've neglected that it's a very, to notice that it's a different situation. And in particular, though, and here we get to Fred's point, Obama's not Clinton. I was on with Paul Begala on TV earlier this week, and I said, honestly, if Bill Clinton were in the White House, I would be, as someone who favors the Republicans, I would be, I, as someone who favors the Republicans, would be very nervous. I mean, Clinton does have, the president has opportunities to do what you said. He has opportunities to maneuver. Take the congressional exemption. Start, you know, playing, trying to pick off moderate Republicans, pick off conservative Republicans sometimes by getting them suspicious to the Boehner. You could cause all kinds of trouble. He's being extremely, his stubbornness makes it easier for Boehner to keep Republicans together and to say, look, some of you don't like the situation we got into. We have whole, we have different views on policy and on strategy. But for now, we've got to stand pat. Uh, we can't panic. We're not getting clobbered. And, and let's just play this out here, and we'll get into a debt ceiling negotiation next week, and then God knows what will happen. But still, it's, it's, <laughs> at least, let's not at least panic on the shutdown. I, I think Obama has not played this well. I think the uh, lingering image of this week for the future for typical people, you know, non political wonks, maybe non-Weekly Standard readers, is going to be the scene of 90-year-old World War II veterans fighting the Battle of Monument Hill, where they rolled over those barricades. That I mean, think about this. The White House had to order, or the administration had to order the barricades be rented and then be brought over. And then the next day, after seeing the public backlash bill, they doubled down and they ordered the park police to go and threaten the veterans with arrest. And then they ordered the park police to chain the barricades together so that no one could get through to this open park scene. That is so indefensible and so has such an emotional power. I think that will be what is lingering long after people forget who said what about the constitutional right of the House to pass funding legislation. No, I think that could be right. And, I mean, it is worth just saying. I've, I've, of course, been to these places, you know, many times. I drive past them almost every day. I mean, these are open spaces in an open mall. You have to go out of your way to close them. And, incidentally, if you go to them at night after normal working hours, there's not park, they're not manned 24 hours a day. There are police who drive around to make sure nothing's going wrong. But there's not like a booth where you check in right. or something. You just walk up to this monument the way you do in any city where there might be a monument in a park to World War One or World War Two vets or others. So the idea that they fenced it, uh, you know, put a fence around it, is re- they went out of their way to spend money and to create inconvenience for people so they couldn't come to the, the National Mall and, 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 and visit the monuments they wanted to visit, the memorials they wanted to visit. It really is shocking. And everyone in the media is so blasé about, oh, that's a gimmick, and right. that's just a stupid little bureaucratic mix-up. How can you focus on that? I've had this argument with 10 different people in the last <laughs> two days. Really? I mean, can you imagine if the Republicans did the equivalent, incidentally, you know, Stop! I don't know. Lock people out of a I don't know some the, the homeless shelter or something. Sure. They said, well, you know, government can't function, so we have to stop feeding the homeless. So the outrage, the the cries about Republican inhumanity. The, but despite the media, and also one other thing that I think helps Republicans and conservatives here is the, the internet, the modern media, talk radio, and what we're doing a little bit. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, none of this existed in ninety five, ninety six. So Rush Limbaugh was kind of a conservative on talk radio. That was about it. And the Clinton people were able to use the mainstream media and then important TV networks to really push the narrative about how an ogre Newt Gingrich was. That's a little harder to do today. Absolutely. Two other things I want to get to very quickly. One is that Obamacare did roll out this week, and I think that is the big 
opportunity cost that the Republicans have paid for the government shutdown is there's not the focus on these health exchanges, which are a fiasco. Two days in a row, a Fox News reporter tried to log on to all 38 networks handled by the federal government, went right in a series alphabetically. And two days in a row, he couldn't get on either one. Uh, The state of uh, North Carolina, I believe it was, reports a single person was able to sign up for the Blue Cross Blue Shield (laughs) exchange option in the entire state. We're talking about enrollment rates of zero. 0.05 percent according to the even suspect numbers coming out of the government in some states that would be a great conversation for people who have been pointing out the foolishness of having government-run institutions yeah i mean the good news is that story is not going away it's not a media story it's a reality story and the x number of people will or won't be signed up and i agree with you there's a little opportunity cost with the headlines on the shutdown not to get the headlines on the exchanges and and the quote glitches in them but um on the other hand the fact that Cruz and some of the militant Republicans have been screaming and yelling about Obamacare for the last two months. I think in a way uh, may may have compensated for that. That is, I do think voters have Obamacare front and center as the centerpiece Mm -hmm. of the Obama administration's achievements or or so-called achievements. And therefore, the implementation of Obamacare, the fact that the mandate, and also here's where I think the individual mandate uh, debate, this is the one thing I, you know, we argued with the standard, let's focus on delaying the mandate more than just defunding all of Obamacare, which isn't going to happen. The, what is the mandate a mandate to do? It's a mandate to go into these exchanges, mm-hmm. in most cases, almost all cases, actually, and buy your insurance from them. So, and to get, certainly, you have to go to the exchanges if you want to get your subsidy. So um, they're mandating people to go into exchanges where the security and privacy, security and privacy aren't, aren't established, and which now turned out to have all, don't work in many ways as well. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure how much of an opportunity cost has been paid. And I think, again, that story's not going away on, on the problems with implementing this crazy attempt. And the other story that's not going away from this week is the uh, concern about Iran. And I imagined as I watched the uh, 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 president of Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, give his speech, I imagined Barack Obama sitting in the front row because I got the sense that that's what he was imagining, that he was making an argument for specifically the president, concluding with Israel announcing if we will act alone if we have to. I think, honestly, he's not even making an argument to the president anymore because really? I think he may well have just decided the president's not going to act. The president will do his thing. He'll have these silly negotiations. He'll either cave totally to Rouhani or cave partly to Rouhani or find a face-saving way to have these negotiations go on with Rouhani. And if Israel judges that uh, Iran is about to get nuclear capability and if Israel continues to judge that that's just an existential threat, I think what Netanyahu was saying, what he did say, really, is Israel won't hesitate to act. Now, being in the middle of negotiations... Uh, with the U.S. being in the middle of negotiations makes it harder for Israel to act. I guess the optics of you know bombing the nuclear sites while John Kerry's having coffee in Geneva with the Israel, with the Iranian foreign minister is is is, is a little uh, tricky. But I think what what Netanyahu was saying, I'm sorry, we have to act, uh, and if we act alone, we're not acting just on our own behalf. We're acting on behalf of the whole of the, of all the world who who, who for whom. The notion of this regime having nuclear weapons should be unacceptable and has been said to be unacceptable many, many times over the last 10, 15 years. So it was a very strong speech for Netanyahu, a very important speech. I think historians will end up saying um, kind of got overwhelmed by the shutdown and Obamacare news. But it might be the most important thing that ended up right. happening this week, actually. Well, I've got a solution for the Iranian problem. I've got a way to inspire President Obama to act immediately. I've leaked some doctored photos of the president of Iran at a Tea Party rally I held in Boston. And once the president sees that, he's going to be really ready to knuckle down. Bill, Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time on this week's Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.